You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. We're going to be a couple different places today. We're going to uh, just something's been on my heart over the last week, and I just wanted to share this with you guys. But um, just how our, our words matter. The, the words that we use matter. If you don't believe me, go to a crowded theater and scream fire. What happens? You, you get arrested. You will go to prison. You will go to jail for screaming out fire in a crowded theater because. The authorities understand that the words that we use, the things that we say, do matter. They have implications. They have consequences. Amen? And so um, this has been on my heart. This has been on my radar for a little bit. And I just wanted to, this morning, share with you guys out of a couple different places in the text why our words matter, why what we say is important. And, 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 and it's, just, it's just one of those things that I believe we need to be acutely aware of is how we communicate and the things that we say. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18, um, if you've got a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It tells us, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. So we've, we've got verse after verse that we're going to, that we're going to look at that show us that God does care what we say. Because I've had conversations with, well, God doesn't really care what I talk about. God doesn't really care what I say. Actually, He does. He's very, very um, concerned with our communication, the way we speak, the way we talk to one another. In fact, that's, that's why He says here in the text, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is a powerful instrument. It is, a, it is an incredibly powerful instrument, and, and there is power in the words that we speak that we speak in fact Romans chapter 10 says that with the mouth one makes confession and is saved and so with our words we communicate the need for salvation and God does a saving work in us and so we've got um, we've got power in our words our words set us on certain traject- uh, certain paths certain um, certain roads we can, we can go a long way. Husbands, can I get an amen? We can get uh, really far with the right words. We can go really, really far with the right words. And we can fall incredibly far down with the wrong words. Any, any amens on that one? We've got, we got Alan. Alan's the only one that... Come on, Tyler, Darren, help me out, guys. All right? <laughs> let me stand out on here by myself and just saw me off and let me fall by myself. That's fine. That's awesome. But we, we, can, we can go a long way with the wrong words. Like, we can have entire relationships can be completely severed with the wrong words. Relationships can be completely worked into an amazing status by the right words. There have been wars that have been started because someone used the wrong wording. Like, I'm talking wars where people get killed. Our words 
matter. Our words matter. Amen? In fact, let me just, just so you can see this, I want you all to, to go here. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Flip over into Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see this. Um, Jesus says here, I tell you, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So that's Jesus speaking. Jesus puts a very high emphasis on our words. And in fact, there's such a high emphasis on it that you're going to be giving an account for every careless word that you speak. John MacArthur said the most seemingly insignificant sin, even a slip of the tongue carries the full potential of hell's evil. No infraction against God's holiness is therefore a trifling thing. And each person will ultimately give an account for every such infraction. There is no truer indication of, ba- of a bad tree than the bad fruit of bad speech. Like that's, that's pretty heavy. I mean, that's, that's a very clear indicator that there is some real, real implications to the words that we say. The, the way we communicate, it is, a, it is detrimental to our health, our spiritual health, if we are not doing what God's called us to do. So we're going to spend the bulk of our time in James chapter 3. Those are, we were, I was launching us into getting us ready, but I want us to go to James chapter 3. We're going to look at um, the text here. It's got a lot to say about our tongues, about the way we communicate, about what happens with our mouth. So we're going to start in chapter 3 and in verse 3. So James chapter 3, verse 3. I say, okay. If we put a bit into the mouth of a horse, or we put a bit in the mouth of a horse so that it will obey us, we guide the whole body as well. Look at a ship also. Though they are so large and driven by a strong wind, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also is. The tongue, it's a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest fire is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on, by, set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast, every kind of bird, every kind of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse humanity who is made in the image of God from The same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. This ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth the same out of the same opening, fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt, neither can a salt pond yield fresh 
water. Wow. Like, the, you read through the text here and you see this, like the imagery here out of the text is to show us that, that our tongue, the, although it's a small member, although it is a small part of our body, it can be the most dangerous part of our body. How many of you guys have heard this saying? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Hogwash. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. There, there have been times that, man, I'd much rather, I would have much rather had somebody beat me with a stick or a stone than say some of the things they've said. Anybody else? How many of you guys have ever had something said to you that stayed with you for decades? How many of you guys maybe have said something that stuck with somebody for a decade or two? Me. Like, this is, the, this is the truth of the matter, is that our tongue, although it's small, it can be the most dangerous member of our body, especially if it's not controlled and directed by the Holy Spirit. It, it, it just can be. We have the ability to bring life and bring death with our words. We can... The scripture says that the entire world can be set on fire by what we say. If you go back and watch history, if you, if you watch like World War II, look at how Hitler communicates and how he uses his language and his body and the way he communicates. He can stir the entire crowd up into a frenzy and stir it up in such a fashion that there was a whole group of people in that area of Europe that said, hey, this guy's right. I think we're going to follow him. And what happens? Tens of millions of people die because of what this man communicated. Like it, it's just mind-boggling that this tongue that we have in our mouth, the way we communicate, can absolutely devastate the world around us or it can build us up. We, we can paint an amazing portrait of the goodness and the graciousness and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ... And with our words, and then we also have the ability to deny his very existence by the way we speak, by the way we talk, by the way we communicate. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, I want you to see this because I think it's, it's important because I believe faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Gonna look, I'm looking at verse 3. I'm sorry, did I say? Here it is, I'm sorry. Verse 10, 10, 10, I apologize. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Like, think about this. I love, I mean, think about the imagery that's used in this proverb. That the mouth of a babbling fool, man, some of the just a babbling fool, when you think of a babbling, you think of a creek, you think of a running stream that just is flowing very rapidly, that can happen with a fool's words. Someone that speaks foolishly, that can come to ruin. They can, how many, they just open their mouth and overload their backside. Anybody been a part of that? Your mouth overloads your backside? Anybody else ever? That's, that's, the, that's the church version of that, that terminology. But um, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. 
But the mouth of the wicked, it conceals violence. It brings about violence. Like that just, I, I just, we have the ability to do amazing things with our, with our words. But man, we can do such damage and we could, in, in our own world, like we could cause so many problems for our own selves by opening our mouths. And, and sometimes it's just best to keep your mouth shut. It just is. And we could, here's, okay. Because here's what can happen sometimes. We have this desire to want to be, anybody in the room like to be right? How many of you don't like to be right? You don't like to be right? Well, Lita likes to be right. Well, I like to be right too. I love to be right. And if we say the right thing in the wrong manner, it, it, it can be just as devastating to the world around us if we're, in, if we're doing, saying things in a way that, that we think is right, but we maybe are in our minds and our hearts we think, man, I am right on this issue. I'm absolutely 100% right. But the method that you communicate can destroy the meaning. The way you can communicate certain things can destroy the entire mechanism that you're trying to communicate. If you say the right thing in the wrong way, it doesn't matter how right you are, you're still wrong if you communicate it poorly. It just... It just is. We have more Christ followers who attempt to try to wound or kill each other in the hopes of being proven right than we do anything else. Than we, than we do anything else. We get a little bit of biblical knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up in such a way that, that is not helpful to anyone or anyone or, uh, to anything around us. Um, I just want to read it just so you guys know that I'm not making things up. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up like the, 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 I've got the right answer. I've got the right motive. I've got the right thing. You don't. You're an idiot. Anybody have those moments where you like, you know, you're right. and You want to express that you're right to somebody. You want to tell them that you're right. And you do it in such a way that like you wound somebody by the way we talk. Anybody? I have. Your, your pastor has done that. And, and so knowledge of something can puff us up. But man, in love, you want to see somebody built up. Love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We also look at other people's sin um, as always worse than ours. We, we, we never want to paint our sins. You and I, as Christians, we look at other people's sins and we're like, oh, golly, I can't believe that they did that. We want to paint our sins or their sins as dark and wicked and evil. But man, we don't want to paint our sins that way. We look at our sins as just, pro I just got problems. Jamie's got sin issues. I just have problems. Right? Right? But that, I mean, the truth is that my sin is just as dark as my neighbor's sin. And sadly, we become experts in our neighbor's weaknesses, in our brothers' and sisters' weaknesses. And we should never, ever be about trying to be an expert in somebody else's weakness. 
Matt Chandler said, if, if we're meditating on the weaknesses of others, we're sinning not only against God, but against those people as well. Rather than focusing on the weaknesses of others, we need to focus on the strengths of other people. Rather than looking at somebody and saying, listen, I'm not saying we cover up sin and ignore sin. That's not what I'm saying. But man, we don't become an expert where someone's falling, where somebody's messy, where somebody has a problem, where somebody does have um, an un, not an understanding of what the Bible says. Rather than coming in and trying to just destroy them with our knowledge, our hope is to build up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Listen to this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be kind and tenderhearted towards one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So let me ask you, has Christ forgiven you of something? How many times has God forgiven you? Maybe, how many, let's just show of hands. How many times has God forgiven you more than once for the same thing? Has God forgiven you more than twice for the same thing? Has God forgiven you 365 times for the same thing? Anybody? Me too. God's forgiven us. And so how dare we? You don't even know. I'll tell you about them. Rather than focusing on the weaknesses of our brothers and sisters, what we need to be doing is focusing on, man, how can I build you up in the faith? How can I pray for you? How can I help you along? How can I move in such a way that, that shows you what the gospel is? Man, it's easy. Like, listen. Listen, Brother Allen and I could figure out and just, we could get a whiteboard out here and we could talk about how we don't like Darren. We could just, we could put a list of things we don't, man, us. He's too tall. His arm's bigger than mine. He's a jerk. I just don't like him. He can, he can hit a baseball harder than I can. And we can list the whole reasons of why we don't like Darren. Is that helpful? Does that build up? Does that do anything for the congregation? Absolutely not. It's easy to sit down and start listing off the faults of other people. It, it really is. But what we're called to do is completely something different. Like, okay, this is we, we don't wield our biblical knowledge like a sledgehammer. We don't come in just slinging and flinging like a crazy maniac with our sledgehammer with our biblical knowledge. Like that, like listen, that doesn't, that's not edifying to the church, that doesn't help anyone, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything. We come in with our biblical knowledge like a scalpel. In the hopes of, what, when a surgeon comes in and does his work, if the surgeon just came in with a sledgehammer and just started just beating, as, he, as you're on the operating table, just beating the thunder out of you while you're laying on the operating table wide open, how's that going to go for you? Not, not well, amen? Like, not well at all. So what, is, what does the surgeon do? A well-crafted, a, well, a, a genius surgeon will take his scalpel and make a small incision and go in and do what's necessary. He cuts the smallest amount that he can. He doesn't want it to make too much damage because the hope is restoration and to fix what's wrong. The same idea here is we wield our biblical knowledge like a scalpel, not a club. Like, that's what we're called to do. Not to wield it like a club. We don't come in just absolutely destroying everything. 
The scripture says that a world of unrighteousness is in the tongue. And it's set among our members, staining the whole body. Like we can defile our entire body by what we say. Anybody ever done that? I have. And not only that, we can destroy our witness by what we say. Man, I've heard people say, man, if that's what a Christian is, man, I don't want to be a part of that. If that's how Christians talk, if that's how Christians act, man, I don't want... you're You're a walking billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you carry a banner before you, and you can say, hey, I belong to Jesus, but if you've got a mouth that is ridiculous and says things that are unwholesome and unholy, man, you are denying the existence that Christ rules and reigns in your heart. Amen? That's the truth. And listen, those infractions, if they're not covered by the grace and and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I will have to give an account. That's why, man, when I'm praying, I'm like, God, take back the ground that I forfeited today with my mouth. I said some things I shouldn't have said. God, forgive me, cleanse me. There's been times where I've had to go back to people that I've offended because I've said something stupid to them. So listen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? So in reading all of this, he says, uh, all of this, it, where, what do we do with it? What do, we, what do we do? How do we resolve the issue? How do we resolve the problematic issue of the words that we speak if, if the whole world can be set on fire by hell itself by the tongue that that is present in our body how then can we resolve the issue of a problematic tongue i'm glad you asked great question um, keep going in james chapter 3 we're going to start in verse 17 <clears throat> Well, golly, I'm just going to get a running start. Let's start in verse 13. I know I said 17. Let's get a good running start. because we're, we're talking about wisdom. Because when we open our mouths, we need wisdom sometimes. Anybody? We, we need wisdom to communicate certain things. So let's start here. Where does wisdom come from? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and in the meekness of wisdom. But if you... Have bitterness, jealousy, selfish ambition, and your heart in your heart do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from comes down from above, but it's an earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So remember, this is all in relation to your words, to how you communicate. And wisdom doesn't come, if it doesn't come from above, it comes from demonic sources. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is also disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a lot to understand and unpack in this text. This, this is how we're supposed to live. You want to know where you want to know how to have wisdom when you communicate? 
you know, if you're trying to pull it from any other source than right here in your hands when you're holding the scriptures, wisdom comes from above. Any type of wisdom, whether biblical or non-biblical wisdom, comes from God above. People who are wise in business, that's gifted to them by God Himself. And if you're not in tune with the author of wisdom, I'm telling you, you're not going to be wise in the long term. You just don't. We have to live in a constant state of confession. We have to live in such a way that says, God, what do you want from me? How do I find this? First of all, you come to it in prayer. This is why I believe prayer is important. We have to spend time in prayer. And this, what does it say? Verse 17. But the wisdom from above, how do you get, if you don't get wisdom, I say, so this is pretty straightforward. Wisdom from above. We all, if you ask any junior high or a little little Sunday school kid, hey, where's God? What's their first, a lot of them point where? They point up. The idea is that God's above us. God's over us. God's superior. He's preeminent. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from above. And how do we get access to that? We have to be in tune with the God that is above us. We have to be in tune with the God who's over us. So first of all, the wisdom comes from above. It is first pure, then peaceable. So this idea, this wisdom has a pure motive here. There's a pure intention. Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Those who have a pure intention, pure motives, this is where this comes from, first of all. It's first pure, then it's peaceable. If we have a, a mouth that has a desire to, to make peace, Matthew chapter 5 also continues, says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. So, if you're with your mouth attempting to make peace, seeking pure things, guess what? You're going to see God and you're going to be called one of His kids. That's, that's what the Bible says. And if you have a mouth that is wise, if you have a mouth that's wise, then you're going to be gentle with your words. You're not going to be trying to destroy. You're going to try to be gentle. Even if it's hard truths, even if it's difficult things, you're going to be gentle in the way you say it. Uh, met a guy last night named Mario. I was at Sonic, met him, and I just asked him, hey, say, Mario, do you know how to get to heaven? He said, well, I'm studying the Bible right now. Yeah, I'd, li I'd like to go to heaven. I said, well, what's the Bible say? Mark chapter 1, verse 15. says that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Now, I could have been like, you dirty, nasty sinner. You deserve to go to hell. I could have. Would that have, how, how do you think that would have gone? The conversation would have gone south really quick. But in gentleness, I showed him and said, listen, you need to repent of your sins. All of us have sinned and we all deserve God's wrath. But here's the beautiful news is that Jesus provides a way for us to have reconciliation to be made right with God. We've all broken God's law, but God's provided a way for us to be fixed and redeemed so the words that i use are gentle even though i'm trying to relay hard things when we have a wise mouth when our mouth is in tune with the wisdom from above we're gentle and then we're open for or open to reason holy smoke like the world in which we live right now is not open to reason what 
whatsoever. There is no ability to have rational dialogue with most people in the world. Amen? You try to have a rational conversation with somebody that's outside of the... Shoot, even inside of the church, there's sometimes no ability to have rational conversations with anyone. The world's just nuts. Why? Because we're not pulling wisdom from above. We're trying to pull wisdom from the, or, from the world. And we're never going to find everlasting wisdom from this world. The scripture says that that's demonic, not heavenly, not godly. So when we're in line with who God is, we're open to reason. And man, we're full of mercy. We're full of mercy. Back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you're in tune with wisdom from above, you are going to be able to grant mercy because you understand mercy's been granted to you. When mercy's been handed over to you, if you've been forgiven of much, you're going to be willing to forgive of much. Amen? If you've been forgiven of much, you're going to be willing to forgive much of much. So therefore, a person that is pulling wisdom from above will be full of mercy and good fruits. And good fruits. We know from the text that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Come on now. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Jesus said what? Against such things, these things, there is no law. If you're living under the fruits of the Holy Spirit, there is no condemnation for you. Now, if you're outside of those things, if you're not controlled, you don't have love, you don't have joy, you don't have peace, you don't have self-control, then that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Amen? That's a recipe for disaster. So, when you are aligned with the wisdom from above, you're going to exude or you're going to show off the fruits of the Spirit. You're going to, have, you're going to be full of mercy and you're going to be showing off good fruits from the Holy Spirit. You're going to be impartial. You're going to be impartial to those around you. You're not going to show partiality. You're not going to be, oh, well. James talks about this in, in, in the text, having partiality towards certain people. Oh, well, hey. Big wig. Look at him, he's got all the rings on his fingers, he drives a nice car, let's give him a seat where everybody can see him. But the guy that's a broke bum walks in the door and what? Oh, hey, we've got a special spot for you in that back balcony. You go up there. No, 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 no. God says don't show, if you're in line with wisdom from above, you will not show partiality towards people that look a certain way. And you won't show impartiality to people that look a certain way. You're going to love completely. Amen? Um, and then you're going to be sincere. You're going to be sincere. Like you're going to have a genuineness about you that's not fake. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm just doing good. So good to see you here. Blessings. So glad you're here. <laughs> you're going to have a genuine... You want to know what's going on in somebody's life. It's not just this... This little fake thing that's in the moment. You actually care about their soul you have a sincereness about you that you have a when you're when you're aligned with wisdom from above your words are going to co- communicate sincerity and a desire to want to know about that person and how you can pray for them how you can help them how you can push them towards the things of god and as a result of this verse 18 
A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Man, if we're, if we're constantly wanting to fight, we're constantly wanting to argue, we're constantly wanting to have bickering back and forth, you're not going to have a right. Like The whole point is to have a sowing of a harvest of men and women who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're constantly at each other's throats, and we're constantly talking trash, and we're constantly bickering, and we constantly have just filth spewing out of our mouths what happens you're not going to have a harvest of righteousness you're actually going to have a harvest of unrighteousness that will be coming about and there will be no peace because there's just going to be a constant turmoil so what are we what are we called to do we're called to repent of our sins and come and lay all this out at the feet of christ we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak here let me just read this to you i know you don't believe me go to couple of verses over in James chapter 1. Listen to this. Verse 19. 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce right, the righteousness of God. Therefore, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. In the King James, it says superfluity of naughtiness. My mom always loved that. I don't know why. I'm just doing that because my mom loved it. But my text, my version says, rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to sanctify or set apart your soul. So when you're immersed in God's word, when you're set apart by God's word, you will not have this filth that comes out. You're not going to be quick to be like, listen, I'm right. And let me tell you why I'm right. We're not going to do that. We're going to be slow to speak. There's a reason God gave you one mouth and two ears. I'm preaching to me too. So don't think, oh, Caleb, you're talking about me. No, I'm talking about me. Because sometimes I let my mouth overload my backside. My wife almost said amen. Amen. That's the truth. That's the truth here. Man. This we we got to be quick to hear and we got to we, we got to be quick to hear and slow to open our mouths. Because man, listen, you and I are going to be judged by what we say. Our words either condemn us. What's the text say? The text says that our words, with our words, Matthew chapter 12, that's where we just read. We were just there. For by our words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You're going to give an account for these things. We need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Number two, become an expert in the strengths of our brothers and sisters rather than our weaknesses and talking about their weaknesses. What would happen if we, rather than, hey, did I tell you about sister so-and-so? Get in here, let me tell you. Hey, did I tell you about brothers? What if instead of that, man, let me tell you about brother so-and-so. Man, he is such a godly man. Man, he's just, he's praying for me. He's praying for you. Man, what an example of righteousness. That's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff I'd, I'm fine with somebody talking about somebody else if we're talking about godly things but if we're just trying to tear somebody down come on quit it rather than allowing our biblical knowledge to be used as a wrecking ball let's start to understand the the love of god 
and use the word of God like a scalpel to build up those that are around us. We have the ability to bring life and death with our words. This next week, I want you to choose. This next month, this next year, I want us to choose wisely in how we communicate. That's my hope for us today. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.